Got a heart attack, and it's greatly affected his voice. He can't uh, really sing anymore. He just kind of talks through his songs. They had a concert for him about two months ago at his home church to raise some money for him just to help him live a little bit. But uh, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. Thank you so much for singing that for us. I want you to turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 4. This morning, we'll look there in just a moment. Luke chapter 4. How many of you have gone to the doctor before and been disappointed when you talked to him or received treatment? And then on the other hand, you've gone to another doctor and uh, you were very happy with the treatment that you received. I uh, had some... um, problems, some sinus problems, and so forth. So I went to uh, this doctor, and uh, he said, well, you'll have this particular procedure, and it's going to take care of your problems. Well, I had another underlying problem I didn't know about, but I I began to, I consented to the surgery, and then uh, I began to ask other people that had the same type surgery, and almost to a person, it had really helped them. So I got my hopes up, and you know my expectations were sky high. And so after I had the surgery, it just flopped. It didn't work. And I was so disappointed because I was, this was kind of the end game. You know, when I have this surgery, I'm going to be back to normal. All of these other symptoms and problems are going to disappear. But really, it was not the problem. There was another problem. But I was, I was kind of putting my whole bankroll on this surgery. That's a bad metaphor, isn't it, right there? Paula was putting the whole bankroll on that surgery. And then, uh, and then I had another surgery uh, on my neck uh, because of my, uh, I had some problems with my, my back and my neck and going down into my arm. And it was pretty serious, to be honest with you. And I'll never forget sitting in the doctor's office with Paula, and he took out his pen, and he began to write down on the paper that was on top of the little table there. You've seen that. And he took his pen out, and he said, here's what we're going to do. And he literally drew out the surgery. And then he looked at us, and he said, and when you wake up, he said, the pain will be gone. And he said it confidently without being arrogant. And said a few other things, and and he walked out. And I told Paula when he left, it was just she and I. I said, I've never had a doctor talk to me that before, like that. You know, usually they're, well, this may not work. He was humble, but he was very confident that this is going to work. But you got to remember, I'd already had this other surgery that didn't work. And so my expectations were really guarded, and I thought, well, I need to kind of keep that in my back pocket and remember what happened the last time. You know, the eternal optimist. But you know what happened? When I woke up, the pain was gone. And he was right. It's a wonderful thing uh, when pain is removed from your life. But there's only one, there's only one that can provide ultimate healing, especially at the deeper levels of your life. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now God has chosen to use doctors. He's chosen to use 
medicine. In fact, uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, there were herbs and so forth uh, that have medicinal value and so forth. He's not against doctors. I, I, as I preached the message last week, I showed you how that Luke, um, Paul called him a beloved physician, and he traveled with him. And some of the last words that he ever wrote uh, in 2 Timothy 4, he said, only Luke is with me. Luke was a very dedicated man, dedicated believer and associate to Paul. But I wonder if one reason that God gave Paul, or excuse me, he did give Paul to Luke, but he also gave Luke to Paul. Because God chose not to heal Paul physically, healed him a lot of other things. But he didn't heal him physically, so he gave him a doctor to travel with him to help him with some of his ailments. I, I can't prove those things, but it appeals to me because of the heart of God to help people. One of the things that uh, I know, I know this because of my own life, I've lived long enough to experience this and to see it in the lives of others, is that life is, is difficult. I'm not a cynic when I say that it's just difficult. And painful things happen, loss happens. And if you don't learn to, to handle loss, if you don't learn to handle pain, and you don't know who to, who to go to with it, you're going to become a negative, sour person. But here's what happens. If you don't handle it properly, and you don't take your, your problems and your sorrows and your pains to the Lord, you become poisonous. You become bitter and you affect the environment that you're in your home, your work, your church in a very negative way. You poison your environment because here's a truism that hurting people hurt people. I was talking to, uh, I think it was one of my kids recently about someone that was hurting some people. And I said, well, have you ever considered, and I began to kind of give the backstory of the person. And you're, you're responsible for your choices. At some point, you have to grow up and make your choices. I said, but you've had a, you've had a good background. I said, have you ever considered, and I told them a little bit about their background. I said, you've had some advantages that they never had. And hurting people hurt people. And that's not an excuse. It is a reality. And maybe this morning you're here and you have a broken heart and you don't understand that the sorrows and the adversities that you are carrying have the potential to make you better or they have the potential to make you bitter and negative and just a drag on everywhere that you go. God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to to bring all of your your sorrow. He wants you to bring your pain to Him. And listen, He wants to heal you of those things. Now, last week, we're not going to look at the passage uh, this morning because I want to kind of turn from that. But in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible talked about how that Jesus healed people of their physical ailments. And He became famous. And the Bible said fame went out through the land. And people began to follow him everywhere. Uh, he cast out devils from people. He healed people. And so all the crowds were thronging him. And uh, the disciples, and he did, they didn't have any peace. 
just everywhere he went. And to be honest, it was a very selfish thing. They, they didn't love him. They really didn't want to hear his message. Because he had three primary ministries. If you study the Bible, this is in Matthew 4 and other places. Is Jesus taught, he preached, and he healed. That kind of summarizes the earthly ministry of Jesus. Now, the motivation behind it all is that he loved people. But the way that he showed his love is he taught them and he preached the truth and he healed people. Now, he healed people physically, but he also healed people emotionally and he also healed people mentally. Now, in Luke chapter 4, look there with me if you would. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 15. You see some of these things. Luke four fifteen, And Jesus taught, there it is, in their synagogues, being glorified of all. The word glorified there means honored or praised, magnified. He was acknowledged for his value. Uh, I cannot emphasize how important teaching is. It's vitally important in the local church. It's important in your life. That's why you need to have a a daily meaningful time alone with the Lord. And part of that is to feed your soul, to feed your mind. A Bible-believing church has got to be a teaching church. That's part of what we do here, to teach doctrine, teach the Word of God. And uh, they saw the value of that. It fed them. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up for to read. They would pick someone, like back in that day when they had church. It wasn't church, of course, but let's call it church. And rather than having a pastor, they would select someone. They would come in on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And they would, especially if they had a guest. If it was a rabbi, it was really special. But they would say, Brother so-and-so, why don't you come up and and you, you give us a word from the Scripture this week. And they would have a very sacred uh, role of scripture there. They didn't have a lot of those. And uh, he would teach from the scripture. And uh, it was an honor to be asked. So he was there. He was visiting his hometown. And he stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So you're going to see here in a moment. It doesn't give us a chapter. But later, you, if you study the Bible, you realize it was from Isaiah 61. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's a prophecy about Jesus. So he's reading a passage that's fulfilled. It's in the Old Testament, but its fulfillment is found in him, in his ministry. Here's what it says. And when Jesus had opened the book, that is this section of Scripture, in Isaiah 61, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And watch this. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now remember verse 15, the Bible says he taught and he was glorified. So he was teaching, now he's preaching. Now what's the difference in teaching and preaching? Uh, Preaching has a verdict, uh, like a courtroom. Uh, You can teach and you're just giving information and that's okay. Preaching always says, okay, what are you going to do with this? Okay, now, you, you need to act upon this. That's the difference in it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. He helps the preacher. By the way, anointing is a special touch for a special task. You need the anointing of God. And it's not just for preachers. 
Are you a mother this morning? God has an anointing for you to be a mom. It's a special touch for a special task. When you go to work tomorrow, God has an anointing for you at your work. A special touch for a special task. So there is an anointing for for ministry, for preachers, but it's not just where you have this special class. For whatever you do, God has a touch for you for that task. If you will let Him and surrender to Him. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, now watch this, in, in Matthew 4, He healed bodies. But in Luke 4, Jesus said, He has sent me to heal hearts. And see the difference? Now, He did both. He healed bodies, but He healed hearts, and specifically, broken hearts. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance, because some of them were captives, to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are, watch this, that are bruised. Those that are bruised. Are you bruised this morning? Maybe this past week, this past year, maybe this past decade. Some of you are carrying bruises from a long, long time ago, and your heart is broken, and you've never had that healed. Some of you, uh, you, you just kind of stuff it. You stuff those things. And, uh, and you've learned to, to kind of grin and bear it. Uh, I, I can do that a little bit because I'm not, uh, I don't show my emotions well. I, I, I weep, but I, I've learned to, um, to, I don't want to say it's being a hypocrite. Part of it's just your personality. But you, you learn to, to just bear your burden, to carry it on. But what happens is you stuff that. And what happens is it just grows and it grows. And, and the bruise and the brokenness is there. It's just not at the surface. It's just bubbling underneath. And the Lord wants to heal that. He came not just to heal bodies, but He came to heal hearts, broken hearts. And, and He came to minister to people that are bruised. And let me give you, uh, last week I, I gave you this thought, number one, that Jesus can heal your body. He can heal your body. Jesus can heal anybody at any time. And we talked some about the sensationalism of that. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus can heal afflictions. James 5 talks about that, other places in the Bible. One of our men told me after church, um, he shared with me how that uh, he had had a very serious uh, situation and that he'd had some people uh, that had prayed for him and that God miraculously touched him and he was healed. And I believe everything he said. I believe that God had, has touched me in certain situations, but there have been other situations where he hasn't. And then uh, he and I were talking about a mutual friend that we had. And uh, that my friend, uh, that, that God had touched and had healed him, uh, who was telling me the story last week. We were talking about our mutual friend that had cancer that God was using in a, in a great and a marvelous way. And people prayed for him. I'm talking about a lot of people. And God chose not to heal him. And he went down rapidly and, and went on to heaven. And, you know, there were a lot of people saying, well, God, why, why wouldn't you grant him more time? 
because of his heart, because of the good that he was doing. Why would you take him so soon? Listen, there's a mystery to this. And whenever somebody says it's God's will to heal everybody all the time, that's not true. God can heal and God does heal people. And it's a good thing for you to ask him. God didn't, God didn't heal Paul. I showed you in 2 Timothy, I think it's 4.20, where he says Erastus, which is one of his key people, he said, Erastus, have I left here uh, sick? I'm not glorifying that. It's just, it's just a reality. I'm going to ask a question. Is it, does it take more faith to praise God for God healing you from cancer? Or does it take more faith for you to praise God after He's chosen not to heal you from cancer? Well, you know the answer. But there are some preachers on television and so forth who say, oh, no, no, no. No, that's not true. The reason you're not healed is you don't have enough faith. Well, he's a liar. That's not true. And that, that will debilitate a person spiritually. That's just not true. But Jesus can heal your body. He does that. The second thing I want to give you, and this is one I want to talk about this morning, and, and God willing, for the next couple of Sundays, because I just have a, a burden for this. Number two, not only can heal your body, but Jesus can heal your mind. He can heal your mind. Talking to some people this morning that have tortured and troubled minds. Now, I'm not talking about you have some mental, emotional challenges. That may be true. Um, and perhaps that may broach into it. But I'm, I'm particularly talking about people that just like peace and joy and, and freedom. But here's what the devil does. If, listen, if he can't have your soul, if he can't take you to hell, if you've been saved, and after you're saved, you're saved. You can't lose your salvation. If he can't have your soul, he wants your mind. Do you understand that? If you're saved, you're saved. But after you're saved... He wants your mind because the devil knows how powerful your mind is. And that's why that the Word of God is so important that you need to bathe, daily bathe your mind in the Word of God and Bible study and meditation and replacing the lies in your mind and mistruths with the truth of God. Because if, if you don't, you're going to believe the lies and you're going to aggravate the, not just the misalignments, but, but the bruises in your mind. And you're not going to be healed. And that's where some of you are this morning. Now, did you know, and I, I can't explain this, but it's true, and I'm going to show you some scriptures here, that the devil has the ability to put thoughts into your mind. Did you know that? That Satan has the ability to influence your thinking. Why don't you just why don't you just take your life? Nobody cares. Why don't you just get divorced? It's not going to work out. Why don't you just run away? 
Why don't you just end it? Why don't you just whatever fill in the blank? And he will he will lie to you, and he will even after give feed you the lie. Once you begin to think about that lie, kind of percolate, he will begin to give you the infrastructure. He will give you the plan to implement that lie, and it comes from, it comes from the enemy. And let me show you how this works. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19, Jesus is interpreting the parable of the, the soils, really. We call it uh, the sower, but it's the soils, the four types of soils. There are four types of people this morning that are listening to me preach this morning. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus said this, one type of soil. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, what's that? And understandeth it not. Pay attention to that. So you hear you hear the teaching, you hear the preaching, but you don't understand it. it it's not taking root. Then cometh the wicked one. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Where is the place of understanding? Well, it's in your heart. And many times in the Bible, the heart is equated with your mind. So the wicked one is coming to your mind. Because you didn't get this, you're not paying attention, or for whatever reason, there's a carnality in your, in your spirit. Then cometh the wicked one, now look at this, and he catches away Satan or his demons. They catch away that which was sown in his heart, that is the listener. Those two words, catch away, mean to seize or to claim for one's own. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. You see, the devil is not passive about your spiritual growth. He will hinder your spiritual, your spiritual growth. He won't just keep you busy. But you can be in a church service and you will your mind will be active a little bit. But when you're kind of battling to pay attention or... Or sometimes you need to understand something, but you don't, and it can transform your life. Then the devil comes in. I'm not saying he possesses you, but he comes in and he catches away that seed and and he takes it away and it's gone. It will never bear fruit again. That will happen to people here this morning. The enemy does that. Let me give you another example in the Bible. David was at a very weak moment in his life, and I believe he did this because of his pride. And there's two passages. I'm going to show you the one in First Chronicles where it tells about this incident. In First Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1, the Bible says, Satan stood up against Israel, the nation of Israel. Now pay attention. And Satan provoked David. So how did, how did the enemy affect Israel? He went to the leader. And he provoked David to number Israel. Now, later on in the passage, in fact, in, in Samuel, he tells me this. King Joab, he sent Joab to go ask about it. Joab said, don't, don't do this. What are you doing this for? It's, it's almost like, you know, pastors getting together and say, well, how big is your church? This is how big is yours? And you kind of create this caste system. And it's almost like David said, I wonder how big my army is now. 
Joab, he was a five-star general. Won't you go out? I've been thinking about how how big are we now? And I'm not going to give you the scripture because it's time. But Job said, Joab said, he, he came back to him. He said, King, don't do this. He had enough sense. He said, this is not good. So Satan came into David's mind and he provoked him to number Israel. And David said to Joab, to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. Satan plants thoughts of pride in your heart. You're better than this. They can't treat you like this at work. They're not giving you enough credit. And, uh, and the father of pride, which is the enemy, he begins to plant these, these seeds of pride in your heart. And he begins to talk to you. I'll give you another example. This one's powerful. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, the Bible says Jesus is speaking to his disciples. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer. And that's important. Up until this time, he hasn't told them what's going to happen. They think they're going to take the kingdom and there's no cross. It's just glory. Now he says, no, there's going to be a cross first. There's going to be some pain. And he said, they're going to suffer many things. I'm going to suffer of the elders, the chief priests, and scribes. And be killed and be raised again the third day. Now what is that? That's the gospel. We're saved by the gospel. We sang some of it this morning. We're saved by the gospel. You can't go to heaven. There is no glory without the gospel. You've got to suffer first. Then, now watch this. Then Peter took him. Now, bless his heart, Peter was quick to speak. Sometimes he said some wonderful things. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Rebuke who? God the Son and the Son of God, the creator of the universe. And he knew who he was. By the way, this is, this is right after he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He made a confession. He knew who he was. And now he's taking him aside. Oh, now, now no. And he's going to coach him up. He says, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. This is not the will of God. No, you, you missed this one now. Here's the idea. Suffering is not a part of this. No, there's not going to be any death. There's not going to be any rejection, no suffering. No, you you missed this. But he turned, Jesus turned and said unto Peter. And he's going to talk to Peter. But is he talking to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus is not talking to Peter. He's talking to the devil. Because you know who said that? You know who's the words came from, from the enemy. Thou art an offense unto me. Now pay attention to this. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Thou savorest not. That old English word savorest means to have an opinion. 
It means to come to a conclusion after considering some facts. Your facts are wrong. You know what the devil will do? He, he will give you a wrong perspective of suffering. Now, I deserve better than this. And sometimes he will give you a wrong perspective to tell other people. That's what Job's friends did. Oh, no, no, this is not going to happen to you. You deserve better than this. But the Lord Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But he, did, he was talking to Peter, but he was talking to the devil because the devil put those words and those thoughts in his mind. If he can do it to Peter, he can do it to you. And then you know this one very well. In John chapter 13 and verse 2, at the, at the Last Supper there, the night before Jesus was crucified, and supper being ended, the devil, pay attention to this, having now put into the heart, that is the mind, of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil put it into his heart. He put in the scheme, the motivation, the plan to betray the Son of God. Now, I think he'd been thinking about it all along. The Bible says in John 12, he was a thief that bore the bag. And he, he reacted against the kingdom. Uh, this is suffering stuff. He didn't want it either. He wanted Jesus to overthrow. He got upset with Jesus dying. He said, no, we're going to overthrow these guys. You're not going to do that. I didn't join up for this outfit with that. He didn't like the direction. And so Satan began to speak to him. But Satan just, watch, Satan didn't just give him the idea and the concept. He gave him the plan. And here, here the plan came to fruition. Go to, go to the leaders, the religious leaders, and betray this good, pure, righteous man, God the Son. Do you see this? And then one more. Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. And this is significant. But Peter said, it had happened to Peter in the earthly ministry of Jesus. Jesus is in heaven now at the right hand of the Father interceding for it. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land. Now, I believe Ananias and his wife Sapphira were Christians. And I believe the judgment in the early church was a warning against God not to mess with the purity of the church. I believe that's what it was. And he says, Why has the devil filled your heart, filled your mind? The word filled there is the same word as in excuse me, Ephesians 5.18 where it says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be controlled. I'm, I'm to be controlled with the Holy Spirit. But here, here is a man, here is a man that is a Christian, but his thought processes, like a puppet, are being dominated by the thinking of Satan to lie and then execute the plan to make himself look good in front of others until he is a hypocrite. So here's what the devil does is his favorite MO is deception. But that's not his only that's not his only plan, and he has access into your mind. I want to ask you a question. 
What's the devil been talking to you about? And, and don't you sit there and say, well, he hasn't. Yes, he has. If you're saved, he has. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Some of these people I've read about, David, a man after God's own heart, Peter, these are better people than, than we are. What has the enemy been, been putting into your mind? Let me give you an example. I'm familiar with this a little bit. Um, some of you are suffering. And when you suffer, it affects your thought life. And your thought life guides your emotions. And when your emotions begin to go down, it affects your body. My thinking affects my feelings, and my feelings affect my body. They call it psychosomatic illnesses. So most illnesses that doctors treat are psychosomatic. And so they're treating symptoms. And they're real because of the physical manifestation. But it's not caused by something physical. It's caused by something emotional but the real root of it are you listening the real root of it is something mental and the enemy comes in and he plants these he plants these seeds that cause you to be anxious that cause you to be negative that cause you to be proud that cause you to reject God's authority to reject his will to question God and then it affects your emotions, and then it affects your body. And Jesus wants to... See, we're interested in God healing our body. Oh, God, heal me from these ulcers. Now, look, I know some ulcers can be a problem sometimes because of some other things. But most of the time, most of the time, ulcers are a problem of emotions. And some of you don't push back on me. But your emotions are related to your thoughts. And you can track down a whole lot of physical manifestations like that. So, so the devil works through lies, but he also works through other things. Pride, suffering. Let me show you a verse. Uh, I'm going to preach a whole message on this. I've been kind of knocking around in my brain a little bit. Um, but the devil... And God have different purposes when you suffer. God, they have totally different purposes. One is to build you and to purify you. The other is to destroy you. And within those purposes, there are different messages. So God has a different message and Satan has a different message. And I've been thinking about this for months and months and months because I battle these things. And you become isolated. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just, it's just what happens. Pain, physical pain. I, I've taught you before, emotional pain is worse than physical pain. And physical pain can drive you to emotional pain. There's a verse, and Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above all measure... So that's the reason for his trial. Through the abundance of the revelations, because I wrote the Bible, basically. 
And God didn't want me to be proud. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, this is not a small thing. This is like a stake that impales me. This hurts. You ever notice the next line? The messenger of Satan. To buffet me. Beats me up. The word buffet just beats me to a pulp. But the messenger of Satan. That thorn is talking. Now the grace of God. God gives grace for a thorn. And he has a purpose. And God is helping and enabling. But on the other side of the thorn, the enemy has a message. And it's more than one message. God's not sufficient. You're not going to make this. You're finished. He's talking. The messenger of Satan. And he talks to you. And in your lowest, your lowest valleys can be your, your best times. But when you're there, because what happens is, is emotionally you get down because of your thoughts. Now, I'm, I'm not fussing at you. I'm trying to help you. But Jesus wants to heal you of these thoughts. Someone said the most important conversation you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. We talk to ourselves all the time. All the time. Uh, this week, probably three times, I'm doing some work and I'm kind of mumbling to myself. Paul said, what did you say? I said, oh, I'm just talking to myself. I'm trying to work through something, a text or something else. I'm just talking to myself. But some of you don't talk out loud. You just, you just talk inwardly. And you're not even conscious. It's almost at a subconscious level. You need to be careful what you tell yourself. Worse, of those seeds that Satan is putting there. David talked to himself, but he, there were times when Satan talked to him, but he learned to talk the truth about God to himself. You've got to replace what is wrong with truth. Psalm 43 and verse 5, he said, Why art thou cast down on my soul? He's talking to himself. Why, why are you discouraged? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why aren't thou disquieted? That word disquieted. You're not quiet. You're disquiet. You're just troubled within me. He's talking to himself. Hoping God. This is, he's not listening to a podcast. He's not in church. He's talking to himself. Hoping God. For I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance and my God? He's talking to himself. Do you need to be do you need to be healed in your mind? There was a wild man when we were in Israel, uh, we were in Galilee, and uh, Eli, our guide, pointed across. He said, This is where Gadara is. And of course, immediately I thought about uh, the so called maniac of Gadara and uh one point there were two 
two men there. One passage tells about one. And he was crying at night, howling like an animal, cutting himself with stones. He was demon-possessed. And Jesus went over there with a sole purpose for that one man. And he saved him and he healed him. You ever read what happened to him? Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then the people, after Jesus healed him, then they went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and don't miss this, and in his right mind. The man was in his right mind. Now, right mind there means sound mind, a healthy mind. Now, most modern Christianity is external. It's externalism. We try to transform people outside in. God changes people from the inside out. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's how you're going to get healed. You've got to take God's truth, the Word of God, and begin to apply it to your situation and believe what He has said. But listen, good friend, as long as you reject the comfort of God and the truth of God, the only alternative is more pain and more sorrow. Back in uh, the end of May, one of my uh, dear friends, a very close friend of mine, every year for since 1991, I believe, it's been a long time, gone on a trip with other pastors. This was a businessman and uh, a good friend. And he, uh, his daughter put something on Facebook that, as I read through it, it was a little bit cryptic, but it didn't sound good. And I made a phone call the next day and I found out that the day before that he had shot himself. He was 65 years old. And uh, that was at the end of May. I've thought about him every day. Sometimes multiple times a day. You know, there's a peace of God that God gives you. But it troubles me. One of my, my pastor friends up there that had talked to him the week before. And uh, here's what he told him. He said, I'm isolated. I think I could be a hermit. And uh, he had pulled away from his family. He was still living at home, but he would, he would go to somewhere else. He was alone. I don't know what was in his mind. Nobody cares. There's no solution. It's not going to get better. But I read the things that his wife and his daughter and his two boys write. And Jesus can heal your mind. 
Don't you, don't you believe what the enemy has put in there? I want you to bow your heads with me. Brother Jeff, if we have a music CD back there, if you would play that for me, please. Some of you are battling some things. You're going through a tough time. And I want you to know I understand. But you can't you can't acquiesce to to the enemy. He will bully you, he will intimidate you. But you have a loving Savior, you have a mighty God. You have a great God, and He He not only came to save you and deliver you from hell, but He Jesus came to save you from your circumstances. I wonder this morning if you would say, God, help mind. Lord, heal my mind. Help me, Lord. Some of you are, are thinking some things that the enemy has just come in and he's, he's dominated your thinking and he's, he's destroying the infrastructure of your mind. He's ripping you apart. In Jesus' name, rebuke the enemy. Rebuild your mind with the Word of God. Confess those things, telling, I, I reject those thoughts, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for, for someone that came in today and, and they're just kind of on their last mile. They're broken, they're tired, they're fatigued. And they genuinely believe some things in their heart that's just not true. The devil has lied to them. He's bullied them. I pray, Father, that they would leave here and not out of sheer will and force, but by your grace and your help and your mercy, that they would take your word and apply it to their soul. And that you would begin the healing process and draw them close to you. And as you said in Psalm 23, that you would restore their soul and bring them back. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you need to talk to somebody or you just need some encouragement, find a Christian friend. You can talk to Brother Tim. You can talk to me. Uh, you can talk to one of our Christian ladies. We, we would love to help you. But everybody here, everybody here, all your pastors, everybody, everybody struggles with what I talked about this morning, okay? Once you come back tonight, uh, I know it will help you. I know it will help you. So uh, love you so much. You're dismissed. God bless you.
Thank you.